Father, we ask that you just bless this time in the study of your word. And Lord, I pray that you would, Lord, as we go through it, this chapter, that you would encourage us and bless us. And Lord, we want to um, have it touch our hearts. And as we look at uh, these wise sayings, it's not worldly wisdom, it's godly wisdom that's given to us. So Lord, we know it to be true. And um, we know that sometimes the world doesn't like it when we say it's truth, but it is. And it comes from you, Lord, inspired uh, by your spirit to, to have Solomon write these things down 3,000 years ago. But they're true for us today. That It's not outdated. It's, it's not old-fashioned. It's not uh, fables and myths. It's truth given to us. So, Lord, help us open our ears to receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Proverbs 24, we read, Do not be envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them. For their heart devises violence, and their lips talk of troublemaking. So what we're told is not to be envious of, of uh, evil men, those who are in rebellion against the Lord, uh, those who uh, are devising violence. If you have a King James, it says those who study destruction. And so we know that to be true. We don't want to be envious of them. We don't want to have this desire to be with them and, and hang out with them. And that's what it's talking about here. And I think that this verse, parents, is something that not only for us, that we need to apply, but also we need to talk to our kids about as they get older because, you know, we live in a culture that, you know, envies those who, you know, live after the world and worldly pleasures, those who pursue those kinds of things, the partiers and, and, and all of that. And we need to talk to them about how that's going to do them in and wipe them out and, and bring them down in life. The way of a transgressor is hard, and it is important who it is that we're hanging out with and linking ourselves to, particularly with our children. But, you know, we should not be envying, oh, I wish I could go with the guys after work as they go and go to the bars and have a good time and drinking and playing pool. You know, we shouldn't be envying those kinds of things. We shouldn't be envying, you know, I, you know, I remember the old days and the old hangouts and the old friends, and I wish I could go back to that. You know, that's one of the things when the children of Israel came out of Egypt into the wilderness and they kept saying to Moses, we want to go back. This is too hard. We're tired of the manna. You know, we, we missed the, the food back in Egypt. We missed their homes. Uh, in some ways, it was easier. They wanted to go back. But you see, one of the things that they forgot about is that they were in bondage. They were in slavery. They forgot about the taskmaster's whips on their backs and the hot blistering sun. And sometimes when we think, oh, you know, I remember those times were fun and the partying and all of this, that was kind of a good time. Uh, and to, to envy that, we forget about the bondage and the, you know, how difficult it was. And we don't need to be envying that. And we don't want to be involved with those that continue in sin and carnality because, again, it will bring you down spiritually. Now, sometimes people will say to me, well, Pastor Jeff, wasn't Jesus a friend of sinners? You know, we read in the Synoptic Gospels, particularly 
as we read in, in Luke, as we already done, and in Matthew, that when Jesus came to, to Levi, uh, there at that tax collecting table, and said, follow me, Levi got up and he followed Jesus, and his name would be changed to Matthew. And we see right after that, that Matthew had all his tax collecting buddies and other sinners that were over at his house, and Jesus was there with them. Jesus was called a friend of sinners. Wasn't Jesus a friend of sinners? You know, didn't he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Listen, I'm not saying that you shouldn't witness to those who are partiers or in rebellion or those who, you know, go after the world or those who are evil, you know, devise evil plans and plots. We need to witness to them. Certainly we're going to do that. And when Jesus was in the home of Matthew, that it was Matthew having his friends over to his house in order to meet his new Lord. I believe Matthew, his primary, you know, reason for having them is I have left serving the king of Rome, the emperor of Rome, to serve the king of all kings, Jesus Christ. And I want you to meet my Lord. So, you know, he was able to control the the situation. And we know that Jesus was there to change them. And that's the big difference. But don't be envious, and that's the key word of evil men and those you know who devise violence and, and evil and study destruction and their lips talk of troublemaking. Hey, we're going to go out and we're going to have a good time and just really raise the roof and all of this. Don't desire to be with them. Don't be envious of them. Be careful. Be a witness to them is what you're to do. And then in verse 3, through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. You know, if we build a house or we design a house or any house that is designed, it is designed with wisdom, isn't it? The rooms are designed a certain way. There's a kitchen that's designed a certain way, a living room, the bedrooms, the, the bathrooms, the family rooms, whatever it may be in that house. And so as we build a house in those rooms that we can have things in there that are going to be a blessing and a benefit to us. For example, a kitchen. It's going to be designed a certain way to where we can have a stove, we can have a microwave, we can have cabinets and counter space, and we can cook food and have a refrigerator. That's wisdom, being able to design that, a bedroom, to be able to put a bed in there so you can get sleep at night. And and whatever room may be the case that you can enjoy it, and you fill that room of things that are blessing and benefit and are precious and pleasant. Well, when it comes to our spiritual lives, we're building our spiritual lives, aren't we? And as we build it, we are to build it on God's wisdom. We are to to build our lives on God's word. And as we do, there is blessing. There's pleasant things as we build our lives. And we certainly want that, don't we? We want there to be uh, blessing. We want there to, you know, have uh, the the precious moments in, in precious blessings that the Lord gives to us. So we can kind of contrast the two, you know, uh, thoughts here in verses one and two, verses three and four. If you want to be brought down, if you want to just go through a lot of trouble and difficulties and hardship in life, then you envy those who are evildoers, those who are in rebellion against God. But if you really want to build your life to where there's pleasant things, and precious things, and, it, and it's valuable. And, and oh, Lord, thank you so much. Build it upon God's wisdom. And, and know that as you do, that it, there's going to be great benefit for you. And so when we continue in verse 5, a wise man is strong, and yes, a man of knowledge increases strength. 
And for by wise counsel you will wage your own war. And in a multitude of counselors there is safety. And so there is strength and power in wisdom. So not only blessing and benefit in wisdom and knowing God's wisdom. And keep in mind, as we've been going through Proverbs, there is a difference between God's wisdom and worldly wisdom. So this is God's truth that we're talking about. This is a close relationship with Jesus, desiring to, to know him, desiring to know his word, desiring to, to increase in the knowledge and wisdom of God's word as we apply it in our lives. And not only is there blessing and benefit in that, but also there is strength that comes from it as well. And you know that to be true, don't you? I bet every single one of you that have been growing in the word of God, you're saying that my life is stronger because of it. And there's great benefit and blessing because of the word of God. We don't have to walk in darkness. We don't have to be caught up in deception. We don't have to be confused. We know the way that God wants us to live. And it's a good way. And there's safety and there's security and there is strength in living in God's way and knowing his word. So there is strength in that. And by understanding, as we increase in knowledge, uh, we're going to increase in strength. In wise counsel, you will wage your own war. It's a battle out there. It's a battle out there. It's not a playground out there. And we're told in the New Testament that, you know, we're to arm ourselves with the armor of God because of the spiritual battles that are out there the spiritual warfare that is out there, the enemies coming against us, uh, the world comes against us, and the flesh comes against us. Those three enemies that we end up facing. And as we know the word of God is going to help us to be stronger, to fight those battles, we're going to know how to do it. We're going to know how to do it effectively. And we're going to know how to keep ourselves safe as we stay away from that which is deceptive. And and can you imagine, I, I try to think about what would my life be like if I didn't have the word of God? Can you imagine what your life would be like if you did not have the word of God? You know, if you're trying to figure it out by the wisdom of the world, man, the wisdom of the world changes every other day. And it gets more weird and bizarre all the time. And I think how confusing my life would be and how difficult it would be. And, and um, you know, just being deceived and, and living foolishly and all of this. So knowing God's word is great benefit as blessing and benefit and strength and also it will help you as you walk in this life as we end up doing spiritual you know, warfare and, and it's a battle that's out there. And in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. I think we all know that to be true. And the implication here, of course, is to have godly counsel. As you read your Bibles and read your Bibles every day, you're hearing from the wonderful counselor the counselor, the Holy Spirit speaking to you as you read the word. We have, you know, the counsel that's taking place even tonight as you come here and hear the word of God. But there's safety in a multitude of counselors as you have brothers and sisters in the Lord that are going to counsel you, that's going to give you godly advice and wisdom as we need that. We need that, don't we? Maybe there's a situation that you're even facing tonight and decisions that you need to make and you want to have godly wisdom in that. And it's a blessing to have that. That's why fellowship is so very important, to have brothers and sisters 
that will help you sort things out as you're making decisions and give you godly advice and wisdom and share with you the word of God and pray with you. That's, that's important for us to have. So those relationships are very important. And it is important for you to go to somebody who has godly wisdom. And as you do, there is safety that is there and there is blessing that is there. So Solomon continues writing as we continue in verse 7. Wisdom is too lofty for a fool. He does not open his mouth in the gate. Uh, We know that uh, the uh, principle is that wisdom is out of reach for the fool. Uh, His his speech is empty. And and what is tragic is when people listen to fools. Um, If you have wisdom... Um, you have something very valuable to give to someone. You have something very precious to give to somebody. And I think that the the person that God's going to use to ministering to others in a very effective way in the day in which we live in is the one who's going to give God's wisdom to people. When people come to you and they begin to uh, ask about things or you know, discuss things with you, you have godly wisdom to be able to give to them and to be able to share with them. And it's of great value as you do that. We don't have to talk foolishly to anybody, do we? We don't have to give that which is empty to anyone else. But we can give that which is true and that which is right and that which is decent to help people, to minister to them in life. In verse 8, he who plots to do evil will be called a a schemer. And and the devising of foolishness is sin and a scoffer is abomination to men. So so one who is a scoffer and a schemer to do evil is an abomination to to God. And and that's why we need to be ones that we're not scoffing, we're not scheming, that we're, we're doing what is right. And even in those difficult situations where maybe that man, you just want to get back at this person. I'm going to get back. And again, we're going to see some more verses concerning this, that this person has been rotten to me and, and I want to get back at them. Here's the thing. In any situation that we find ourselves in, don't let others determine how it is you're going to react. You let God determine how you're going to react. You let the word of God determine how you're going to react. And sometimes that can be hard. Because it goes right against what your flesh tells you to do, what the world tells you to do. You need to get even. You need to, you know, get that person. I'm not talking about being a doormat to be walked on. But I'm talking about if you're scheming, if you're thinking, I'm going to get back at this guy. This guy's lied about me, so I'm going to lie about him. I'm going to make up some stuff. That doesn't bring about God's righteousness at all. But it's in those times when we know that God says that this is the way that I am to react. This is what I am to do. Then we need to trust in the Lord that he's going to take care of us and he's going to bless us in that. So here, we don't want to plot to do evil. We don't want to be a schemer. We don't want to be foolish. Um, It's not good in the sight of God. And in verse 10, if you feign in a day of adversity, your strength is small. Now, here in verse 10, again, linking it with verse 5, verse 5, there is strength, what? In knowing godly wisdom, isn't it? And in adversity, listen, and we all go through adversity, our faith will be tested in adversity. And it's in those difficult trials that we can find ourselves in, we can begin to lose strength. 
And it's in those times that we need the strength of the Lord. We need the promises of the Lord. We need the word of the Lord. And one thing that trials will do, that I have found it out in my own life, and many of you have as well, trials will really reveal where you're at spiritually. Where you're at spiritually. James would say that when you fall into various trials, the testing of your faith is what he talked about. Count it all joy. Because what it does is it produces endurance. And I need endurance in times of trials. Because a lot of trials that we can go through don't just last for a day. They can last for weeks. They can last for months. Sometimes they last for years. And it's in those times we feel very weak. And and we need to keep going back to the Lord. And we need to keep asking for wisdom as James tells us to. But that endurance as it produces endurance will help our faith to be made perfect. That is, we will mature in it because we're seeing the Lord be faithful and true to his word to us. And he has us and he's helping us day by day and moment by moment through that trial that we're going through. It was Paul that was told by the Lord that my strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul was going through such difficulties. And and I look at his life in his ministry, how difficult it was. And I know that when I find myself being weak, I need to draw on the Lord's strength. And it isn't me just gritting my teeth and eating glass and I got to tough it out and suck it up and all of this. No, I need the Lord's strength to help me. I need his promises. I need to know that his promises are true for me and his word is true for me and that he's with me and he'll never leave me or forsake me. But trials really will reveal where you're at spiritually. And the way to prepare for trials. Maybe you're here and you're saying, well, I'm not in a trial. You prepare for the day of trials. You keep studying the word of God. It's not the time to get lazy or lethargic or kick back. Because Jesus said, you be the wise man that is built upon the firm foundation. So when the trials come, the storms come, you'll be able to stand. He's the one that hears these sayings of mine and does them. Don't be like the one who's building upon the sands when the trial comes, when the storm comes. Great was the fall of that house that he built upon that sand. We need to be building upon the word of God and continuing to look to him and trust in him. And when we go through those trials, our faith can falter and our spirit becomes weak, but he's there to help us. And as we continue on in life, we need to continue to grow in strength. You know, this also reminds me of of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, he went through trials and, and he was weary. And the Lord said, Jeremiah, if you have run with the footmen and they have wearied you, then how can you contend with the horses? What happens when the horsemen come? And I think, Lord, in my own life, I've been through trials, but what if this happened or that took case? I want to be able to, to look to you, Lord, and trust in you. I want to continue to serve you. I want to continue to grow in the word of God. And I need you, Lord. And so he's the one that strengthens us as we continue on. Here's the thing about adversity. Is that there's usually two reactions that I see people when they go through adversity. Sometimes they'll really seek the Lord and that's a good thing. Really press in in prayer and in Bible study. 
And that's wonderful. But a lot of times what people do is they will withdraw from the Lord. And they'll just tune out. And they'll think for whatever reason, you know, God has abandoned me. Talking to a young lady just a couple weeks ago that has gone through tremendous trials in her life. And she says, I feel like God has abandoned me. I feel like God isn't there. And I try to pray and and ministering to her and, and helping her to see that God hasn't left you. And he wants to strengthen you. And he promised he'll never leave you or forsake you. And he is there. But there's a natural tendency to kind of curl up in the corner spiritually and and just kind of drop out and, and draw in close to the Lord when it's a time when we need to really be doing that. And sometimes we think I got to rely on my own strength and, and my own abilities and I got to figure a plan out rather than waiting on the Lord and looking to him and trusting in him. Jacob, he was one that he always had a plan. He always had a, you know, something that he was so capable. That was his life until he found himself at the brook Jabbok where he couldn't go forward. He couldn't go backwards. Esau's coming at him. He couldn't come up with a plan. And all of a sudden he's there and he is wrestling with the Lord all night long. You know the story. I've talked about it just recently. And I think that maybe perhaps there's one or two of you that you're wrestling with the Lord right now with trials and difficulties that you're going through. And the Lord was there, didn't leave him. And the Lord touched the hip of uh, Jacob, you know, and it came out of socket. and, And that would be very painful and Jacob, your name now is Israel, governed by God is what Israel means. And Jacob had to lean on a cane, and his walk was never the same. Listen, the trials that you go through, the adversities, learn to lean on the Lord. And what you will find, the strength that you will receive, will oftentimes come through the brokenness that you endure. The brokenness of life and the trials that you end up experiencing. Because the Lord wants us to learn to lean on him and to be Israel governed by him in our lives. So make sure that that you are ones that you continue to just build upon the firm foundation Jesus Christ. And when you go through those times of adversity, when your faith is tested, look to him, draw close to him and allow him to touch you in a very deep way. In verse 11, deliver those who are drawn towards death and hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, surely we did not know this, does not he who weighs the heart considers it? And he who keeps your soul, does he not know it? And will he not render to each man according to his deeds? And so this verse speaks about what we know to be true. We're to give to others. We're not just to be neutral. Ezekiel, in his book, that many of you know, in Ezekiel chapter 3, the Lord told Ezekiel, you're to be a watchman on the wall. And of course, in the ancient cities, they would have walls around them, and, and there'd be the watchman up there, and he'd be looking out. And if he saw any danger coming, he would blow the trumpet, he would warn the people. And Ezekiel, you're to be a watchman, spiritually. 
You see, if that watchman up there on that wall saw the enemy that was approaching and he didn't warn the people so they can shut the gates and, and, and be sealed inside safely, if he didn't do it, you know, the watchman, their blood be upon your head. But if you warn them and they respond to it and they're safe, well, that's great. You save lives. But if they don't do anything about it, then their blood be upon their own head. So we know how that works practically, but we know spiritually that you and I, in the day in which we're living in, we are called to be watchmen. We're to be watching. We are to warn people about the deception that is out there. Matter of fact, Paul said in Acts chapter 20, verse 26, when he was speaking to the Ephesian elders, he said, I'm innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. This is important because we have a world that is screaming at you and me as Christians of don't share truth. Don't say that that's God's truth because what is truth? And you're not being inclusive and, and you're saying this is the way it is and we don't disagree and, and you're being intolerable and, and all of this. And that's what the world will tell you and I as we're there warning people, listen, your sin has separated you from God. You need to turn to Jesus Christ. You need to repent. He's your salvation. As we give the truth of God's word and, and how we are to live, and, and what we're to do and what truth is because he is truth. The world doesn't like that. The world doesn't like us being dogmatic and truthful and will scream at you and I to shut up. Now, it isn't that we're being obnoxious and you know that we're being quarreling, but give the truth to people. And I have those who will ask me, how do I witness to my family? They want to receive truth. They come against me. They say, well, you're being judgmental. You know, you you think you're better than everybody else. And who are you judging me? And you can very gently and with compassion and with love say, listen, I love you enough to give you truth. Because I want you to get saved or I don't want you to go down that road of destruction and carnality and sin. It's going to hurt you. And I think that sometimes people will react in a very negative ways because they're being convicted. But don't back away from the truth. We're not helping anybody if we just say, oh, you know what? You can believe what you want to believe. It doesn't matter. It does matter. Be the watchman on the wall. And you give truth to others. And you're really not showing love to those that you care about if you are not willing to give them truth. If you're going to compromise the truth or give them worldly wisdom or just agree with them. Yeah, you know, you you have your way and I got my way and there's one way. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way. And he loves you. He went to a cross and he died for you. He rose from the grave and he's alive and he's your salvation. There is none other to give that truth to others. So we want to speak about that which we know to be true. In verse 13, my son eat honey because it is good and the honeycomb which is sweet to your taste. So shall the knowledge of wisdom be to your soul 
if you found it and there is a prospect and your hope will not be cut off. So we've seen that already in Proverbs that having godly wisdom and knowledge should be refreshing in our lives. And as David, Solomon's father, would write in Psalm 19, the word of God is sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Honey and peanut butter. That goes very well together. (laughs) Tastes really good to me. So I think honey is the only substance that doesn't break down, right? So honey is, is you know, sweet for us, and, and it's wonderful. And that's the way the Word of God should be refreshing to us. It reminds me a little bit of Revelation chapter 10 and also of Ezekiel. Ezekiel was told to eat the scroll, the Word of God, and it was, um, it was uh, sweet to his mouth, it tells us. And then John, uh, he in John, Revelation chapter 10 has that little scroll, and he's told to eat of it. And it says it was sweet in his mouth, but then it was bitter in his stomach. You see, as we take in the word of God, it's to be sweet for you and for me. Because we believe in Jesus Christ. We know that it's truth, and it's sweet as promises. And Jesus is coming back, isn't he? And he's going to establish his kingdom and we're going to rule and reign with him. And then we're going to see him create a new heaven and a new earth. And, and we're going to have, you know, a new Jerusalem. And we're going to dwell there with the Lord forever and ever. That's our future. Isn't that sweet? But also there's a bitter part of the word of God of those who reject the word of God. And those that we care about and love that, that say, well, that's for you or I don't agree with you. There's that bitterness that's there because we also know that the word of God talks about that there's eternal separation from God for those who reject Jesus Christ and the gospel message. And that can be a little bit bitter. But for us, you know, take in the word of God. Take in the word of God and let it be sweet and pleasant to you. In verse 15... What I'm saying is the Word of God should never be dull. Oh, the Word of God is so boring, you know. It's, oh, I'm more enamored with other things. No, the Word of God is sweet. It's refreshing. It's blessing. There's benefit. It's pleasant. We've seen those words. There's safety. There's strength. All in knowing the Word of God. In verse uh, 15, do not lie in wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Do not plunder his resting place. For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. So we stumble, we get knocked down, but he lifts us up so we can keep walking forward. And here it says, don't lie in wait, you know, to plunder the, the righteous man. We shouldn't be coming against other brothers and sisters. The world is going to come against us, but the Lord is there to, to pick you up. And the wicked is not going to stand. Their sin is, and their wickedness is going to come to an end. It, it reminds me, I saw a couple Sundays ago, families were coming in. One family came in with a little toddler, and uh, he fell down, and poor guy, dad was right there to pick him up. Right there to pick him up, and he was okay, moving forward. And the Lord is there, our Father is there to pick us up as we fall down, get knocked down by the world. And there are some times where things happen where we get knocked down or it feels like the breath got taken, knocked out of us. Have you ever felt that way? He's there. He's there. He's there to pick us up and help us. In verse 17, do not rejoice when your enemy falls and do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. Uh, lest the Lord see it and it 
displease him, and he turns away his wrath from him. Interesting couple of verses here. We don't rejoice when our enemy falls. I'm going to be real honest with you. The Lord's still working on me with this a little bit. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. It reminds us that as I read this, of the mercy that he's extended to us. But we're not to rejoice when our enemy falls. You know, we're not to, to rejoice in it. And don't let your heart be glad when he stumbles. You know, kind of irony there, isn't it? But I think an example of that is in Second um, Samuel. Remember when Absalom, he uh, came against his father, David, and took the throne. And David's leaving Jerusalem. And there's this guy, Shimei, that's cursing David. He's, he's throwing rocks at David. David is leaving Jerusalem. He's got his head covered. And here's this guy, you know, as they're on the Mount of Olives that is just, you know, coming against David and, and saying to him, you know, come out, come out, you bloodthirsty man. And you've deserved this. And, you know, the Lord has done this to you and, and caught you in your own evil. You're a bloodthirsty man. And one of David's guys said, uh, David, why are you letting this dog do this to you? Let me go over there and lop his head off. And David said, no. He said, no. It may be that the Lord will look on my affliction and that the Lord will repay me with good for the cursing this day. He said, maybe this has been brought about by the Lord. But the thing is, you know, David, you know, as he was one that fell, here is Shimei that's cursing him and rejoicing in that. And and the Lord dealt with him and brought good to David. And it's kind of interesting what Solomon says here. Don't rejoice and, you know, when your enemy falls or when he stumbles. And, you know, it displeases the Lord. That's the main thing. Then know that he may turn away his wrath from him. In verse 19, do not fret because of evildoers. No, be envious of the wicked. For there will be no prospect for the evil man and the lamp of the wicked will be put out. So the fret here, um, don't fret, has the idea of hot and blazing we can get really upset when we see those who are evil. They seem like they take advantage of people. They're getting away with things. It reminds me a little bit. Remember Psalm 70 when we went through the book of Psalms? Asaph struggled with that. He said those who do evil, it seems like they're getting away from it. Um, and there's no consequences. And they're benefiting from it. And it was too painful for me to even think about it. Until I went into the sanctuary of the Lord. And I realize that what their end will be, and that will be destruction. They will not prosper. They will come to an end in what they are doing, and God's going to deal with them. In verse 21, my son, fear the Lord and the king. Do not associate with those given to change. For their calamity will rise suddenly, and who knows the ruin those two can bring. So uh, first we're to fear the Lord and don't get pulled away from those who are moving away from God and God's way. In verse 23, further sayings, these things also belong to the wise. It is not good to show partiality and judgment. And he who says to the wicked, you are righteous, him the people will curse and nations will abhor him. But those who rebuke the wicked will have delight and a good blessing will come upon them. So um, stand on God's word in his righteousness 
And we're not to show partiality. We're not to fear men um, to where we are showing that partiality to others. But to do, again, what is right. Don't let others determine how you're going to react. But you let the Lord determine how you're going to react and how you're going, you know, to respond to people. In verse 26, he who gives the right answer kisses the lips. I'm not sure what that means. Um, the right answer is a blessing, I think, is what's being told. So best lipstick that you'll put on is the right answer. So you know what I read? Lipstick, I think, is made entirely out of fish scales. Am I right, ladies? You don't know? Maybe I shouldn't have said that. So <laughs> it's made out of fish scales. So think about that when you put your lipstick on tomorrow. Verse 27. <laughs> I hope isn't the only thing that you got out of tonight's lesson. So prepare your outside work. Make it fit for yourself in the field. And afterward, build your house. Again, here is something very important. Make sure that you have the resources to build. And as you are building in life, of course, Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. But let him prepare for what he has for you in life. And, and the ministry that he's given to you and how he wants to use you, there, there is preparing that the Lord does. He's your resource. He's going to get you there. You know, in Leviticus chapter 8, there was the preparing the priest there in Leviticus. They were in the tabernacle. They were anointed with oil. They, they washed themselves. You know, all this stuff that they went through. And then Leviticus chapter 9, there was the presentation of the priest. There's going to be preparation that God's going to do with you and how he wants to use you. And maybe there's a ministry or something that the Lord has really put on your heart. What you do is allow him to, as you're in the, the, the sanctuary learning God's word, as you're just relying on the anointing of the Holy Spirit, as you're being washed with the water of the word, all those things. And the time will come where he's going to present you. But you don't want to go until he's prepared you. And there's always that preparing before presenting. When it comes to ministry, when it comes to what he has for you in life. So be patient and wait on him. And make sure that, that you, know, you continue to allow him to work in you. And there's a continual work all the time. But you know, make sure you have the resources to, to do what God has called you to do. And let him do that preparatory work. In verse 28, do not be a witness against your neighbor without a cause for would you deceive with your lips? Do not say it will do to him just as he has done to me. I will render to the man according to his own work. So vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And the reason that he says that is because he says you leave it alone because you can't handle it. Vengeance is mine. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I'll take care of it. And we don't want to get even and strike back. It doesn't bring about, as I've already said, God's righteousness. And then as we finish tonight, when I went into the field of the lazy man by the vineyard of the man, devoid of understanding, there it was, all overgrown with thorns, and the surface was covered with nestles. Its stone wall was broken down, and when I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. 
So shall your poverty come like a prowler and your need like an armed man. It's talking about laziness. And, you know, here's somebody who went by somebody who's lazy and didn't work their garden and it's overgrown with weeds and the walls broken down. There's thorns and there's no fruit. And you see, you and I don't be lazy spiritually is what we're being told because all of a sudden the thorns come up you know, and choke out the word of God. Remember the parable of the soils and and the cares of the world and the pleasures of the world. Listen, we all have cares of the world, but don't let it choke out the word of God. Continue in those things, cultivating, taking care of yourself spiritually. Be one that's staying close to the Lord. Or you know what? You're going to end up, you know, falling apart and no fruit is being produced in your life and, and broken down and, you know, the thorns and weeds coming up and choking out your life spiritually. Don't be lazy spiritually. Make sure that you're staying in the word of God, staying close to the Lord, desiring to walk with him, stay close to him, to talk with him to please him with your life, to rely on him, to continue to just abide in Jesus Christ. And as you do, you'll be healthy spiritually and you're going to be a blessing to others. They're going to come by and be able to pick the fruit from your life and the blessing of your life. You're going to have safety and security. That's the wall. And you're going to be able to produce fruit in your life because you're not allowing the thorns and the thistles and all of that to come and choke it out of your life. You're just going to allow the Lord to do a wonderful work in your life. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for this time in your word. And, and, and Lord, a theme of being strong in you is knowing your wisdom and not being lazy, uh, not showing partiality. Um, Lord, not being envious of evil workers. But as we continue with you, there is blessing and benefit. And, Lord, there is strength. And, um, Lord... In the times where we are weak, when we begin to f- become frail and falter, and we do stumble and fall, we need you to pick us up. We need you to strengthen us. It's not a time to, to f- Lord, distance ourselves from you. It's a time to draw close to you, call out upon you. And we do that right now. And while we got a few moments, I just, whatever it is that's weighing on your heart, give it to the Lord right now. Know that he loves you. And and if you need wisdom, ask for wisdom. If you are really hurting or upset, be honest with the Lord. Tell him, Lord, I, I don't know what to do. I'm upset about this. Go to your father who loves you. Know that he's true and he desires to to speak to your heart. And Lord, I pray you just right now as you're working in the hearts of your people that you give the strength that they need, the wisdom, the peace that they need. Maybe there's somebody here that you need to forgive somebody. And it's been very, very difficult and hard for you to do that. Ask God for help. Maybe you're here and somebody's really treated you wrong and you're thinking of 
getting even with them or getting at them and being vengeful, give it to the Lord right now. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, oh, this weekend I got an opportunity to go out and have some fun with the guys and we're going to do a little partying and things. You give that to the Lord. Don't be envious of them. Know that it's a deception of the enemy to pull you away from the Lord and pull you into something that's going to just do you in and wipe you out. Maybe you're here tonight and you're thinking, oh, Lord, I just, I've been lazy about studying the word, about really staying close to you and praying. And just tell him, Lord, help me. I want to just grow in your word. Help me to be disciplined. Maybe you're here tonight and you're struggling in some other area. Just give it to the Lord. And Lord, I just pray that you work in the hearts of your people. For those who are afraid that, Lord, you give them just strength and courage right now. For those who are hurting, comfort. For those who are confused, give them direction, wisdom. For those who need provision, they're wondering, how am I going to pay the bills? That you give them peace, provide for them. For all of us, Lord, may we go out of this place knowing that you love your children. And Lord, that you see us and you hear us. So Father, I thank you for tonight. For us being here. I thank you for this place that we can come and hear your word. And, and I pray that all of us would have brothers and sisters to, will encourage us in the word of God where there's safety in a multitude of counselors. Always looking to you to be the ultimate counselor, your word. Father, I pray you bless everyone here as we head out and find ourselves in the middle of our week and guide us and direct us. We look forward to coming together again this weekend or whether it's the ladies tomorrow for study or, you know, whatever the case may be that, Lord, we are blessed. So thank you for this time. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.